I have some good news for you listening to this podcast because there are still some tickets available to see it live very, very soon in the Midwest. Chicago, Illinois, April 11th at Lincoln Hall, St. Paul, Minnesota, April 12th at Amsterdam Bar and Hall. Come hang out with us. Come be part of it by following the ticket links in the food notes. And uh, also, here comes this episode of the show right now. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ. And I am also, also going to share one of my favorite New Year's traditions with you. Not everybody knows this about me, but I grew up in the central time zone in the U.S. And I think not enough people are aware that New Year's Eve, New Year's Day culture is built around the East Coast. The Eastern time zone gets all of the attention, all of the glory. They're the ones in charge of it. And I was very, very lucky because I had discovered Conan O'Brien's show. They would do a a very funny bit on a lot of New Year's, especially right around the turn of the millennium, where they would do a central time zone ball drop because they were on after the ball drop had finished in New York and the whole country had decided it was New Year's. No, I lived in Illinois where it was not the new year yet. And I don't I don't quite know if I'm making up this memory, but I'm pretty sure I waited through the Y2K New Year's as a little boy in extreme terror about the world ending. And then after 11 o'clock central time passed and I knew the East Coast hadn't collapsed into anarchy, I said, "Okay, good. And then I I relieved my tension and enjoyed myself by watching Conan uh, celebrate the new year in central time with a guy dressed as Lincoln and a Texan cowboy. And I believe there was a man in a cheese mascot suit. There were just all these like like a Wisconsin thing, you know, all sorts of different central time zone joys for me because I felt seen by Conan O'Brien and his show. And I think it's very important to say Conan O'Brien and his show, because whether it was Late Night with Conan O'Brien or The Tonight Show or the many TBS shows he has done since, that's a whole team of people. It's not just one person or not just Conan O'Brien and his sidekick Andy Richter. It's an entire team of crew, prop masters, costumers, and of course, writers making it all happen. And I'm so excited to talk to two of those writers today, because one of the things that makes life more interesting than people think it is, is how much goes into that process of writing one of these shows, putting it together, and uh, just what that world is like as you do it. I'm joined today by Mike Sweeney and Jesse Gaskell. They are two writers for Conan. It's called Conan on TBS, hosted by Conan O'Brien. And they are also the hosts of a new podcast called Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. First of all, I really congratulate them for just front-loading the importance of their show. You gotta do that. Gotta let people know it's great. And also, it's it's a really fascinating dive into a lot of just funny stories from the show and also a lot of really interesting things about how these shows are put together, how they're made day after day. It's a really impressive operation, if nothing else. This episode will mention a lot of beloved Conan bits. I'm, I'm an enormous fan of the show. I don't know if you are... But if you are not yet, I recommend you check out the Food Notes because we will have a lot of videos of characters that they've done in the past and just other fun things they've put together. One of my favorites that uh, we actually won't talk about is a 
Triumph, the insult comic dog remote bit. If you don't know Triumph, boy, get on it. He's he's the best. But there's one in particular where he is in Chicago and goes to the Wiener's Circle, which is an amazing hot dog stand there, along with Jack McBrayer. Uh, so if you want to just have a, a Conan bit to get yourself started, eh, maybe start with that one. It's just a good time. But enough from me about the show. Let's hear about it from people who make it happen day in, day out. And I'm very excited to get to talk to. Please sit back or assume any position for fondly remembering the 2005 Central Time Zone New Year's ball drop. That was one where, for the ball drop, they actually had two giant paper mache heads. One was Oprah Winfrey, Chicago native, and the other was James Belushi, Chicago native. And uh, when Central Time Midnight happened, the two paper mache heads French kissed and It was the best. Uh, But either way, enjoy this episode of The Cracked Podcast with Mike Sweeney and Jesse Gaskell. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Mike, Jesse, thank you for being here. It was great. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Alex. You came down from the Conan show. Yeah. You guys yeah. were in the middle we of... We took the 101. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, congrats on your new podcast. And also congrats on... It's probably been, what, two months of the new formatting of the Conan show. The new uh, oh. short. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that did sure. happen, didn't right. it? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all one... The giant format change. It's a river. <laughs> just floating down it. Sure, it's a new format. Well, I mean, I, I feel like, especially daily television like that, does it all kind of wash together sometimes a little bit? Like, just as you're rolling day to day, it's... We did it next one. Like, yes. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, definitely. I used to say, felt like putting out a newspaper because it was due a certain time every day. Yeah. It used to be five days a week a long time ago. And that is so it was relentless that way. It's a blessing and a curse because you never get a chance to do a thing as well as you could with more time. But you also have to forget about it because you have to look <laughs> to the, tomorrow's show. And so yes. if something didn't go as planned, you don't have too long to have to wallow in your own self-pity and I kind of enjoy the last minute nature of it because I kind of am a procrastinator. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I was a little bit curious what the tone of that voice meant. And it's like shame and maybe, oh, maybe shame. madness. Shame. Something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 100%. 100% shame. 100% my mother going, why do you leave everything to the last minute? <laughs> <laughs> and now you get paid to do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone's yelling at me instead of just my mother. I'm, I'm sure the question you get is, what got you into late night writing uh, for each of you? Jesse, no one's ever oh, asked yeah. me that. This is amazing. <laughs> I never go out, so this is uh, fun. I mean, I think I was a, a lonely child. I'm an only child, and we moved around a lot when I was a kid. And so I watched TV, and that was kind of my... My only friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesse. I'm making this sound so much sadder. Uh, I no, wouldn't I mean, hang out with you if I knew you were a loner kid. I, I well, thought you were like part, the cool that, kid in school. It wasn't my fault. I mean, we moved every couple of years when I was a kid. And so it was like I'd make new friends and then immediately have to forget about them and go on to the next oh, gig. Ooh. Can I ask, where's oh, like yeah. the roughest place you lived during all that? churning turnover in your childhood or were they all um, was one worse than the other in any way well i i took one move particularly hard because we moved from we lived in miami and then we moved from there to guatemala 
And that was like a real, um, cause I loved our lives in a step Miami. Up. Miami to Guatemala, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Sounds pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. If like TV was your friend, did you miss the US TV right. when you went to Guatemala? Well, no. So I, I mean, we got we had a satellite dish. So oh, right. I got yeah. I and that was really I probably stayed indoors more. I think when we lived there because in my mind's eye, it was fairly dangerous there. I mean, I think you know there like there was a kid that got kidnapped off of one of our school buses. What? Yeah. We're, and it was just, I mean, they were wow. they they were safe. They were returned, but it was all like for money and, you know, a scam to- Were you on the bus when it I happened? I wasn't there when it happened. But stuff like that was happening. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. <laughs> so I think I just kind of stayed, my parents probably just kept me indoors. And then I was like, from three o'clock when I get home from school until dinner time, I was just watching TV that whole time. Wow. I wonder yeah. if a parent staged that to like- Keep the other kids in line, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> watch your piece. Oh, you, you think there was a false flag situation? Awesome. <laughs> Crisis actors. Wow, that's crazy. Right. The kidnappers were just yelling, I hope you're learning a lesson from <laughs> all of this kidnapping <laughs> on the bus. That uh, kidnapped child is Alex's next guest. <laughs> <laughs> they also went into comedy. Uh, yeah, but they made it on SNL. Right. No, so I guess that's why I got into comedy. <laughs> Are we still on a I'm comedy podcast? I'm completely fascinated by this. This is great. Yeah, no, so I mean, I think that, that I was very connected to TV. And then I, in high school, was really, Conan was the show that I watched. I don't know why specifically late night over other, I mean, I, I also watched some sitcoms and I was a big Seinfeld fan. When I just started actually writing, I think I found the short form comedy to be my specialization. <laughs> sure, um, sure, yeah. And so I liked writing sketches and jokes as opposed to thinking of like, like comedic situations. Hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think human emotion is still something I'm figuring out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better though. Well, also the other way, it just seems like, oh my God, you have to think of what this character is going to be doing three weeks from now. Yeah, yeah. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> I don't want to know what I'm doing three weeks from now, let alone figure out what a fictional character is going to do. Yeah, that's right. That's a lot of planning. Yeah. Well, and, and also, and I am excited to talk to each of you too, because Jesse, I think you've been with the show for about four years. Is that right? Uh, just rounded five. Five. Yeah. Hey, congrats. Ta -da. Thank you. And then, and then Mike, you've been with it, I think, for 25 years? Is that uh, right? In various uh, let's formats. Not, and... <laughs> let's not pad it out, okay? I'll, oh, boy. Uh, 24. I can't even count that high. 24 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started in February of 95, but I tried to get hired twice before that, and it didn't work. So when the show was announced and Conan was the host, I was doing stamp comedy and I was out with these comics at a, this diner in uh, New York city and everyone announced, they're like, Oh, this guy Conan O'Brien's going to host. He's not a comedian. And they were all really <laughs> mad. And I, I kind of got a kick out of it. I didn't know who he was, but I was like, aha. Cause there were certain comedians who I swear approached stand up comedy. Like it was, trying to become partner in a law firm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I put in the I time. I put 80 hours this week. I, yeah. I do. I should be made partner. And it's like, no. It, like, I love that aspect of show business where there seemed to be no rhyme or... Yeah. Not, oh, there's yeah. There's definitely rhyme or reason to a lot of it, but also very not unpredictable. A and not a Yeah. I mean, yes <laughs> and no again, but, but certainly not like a law firm. 
Oh yeah. So I love that this guy came in from left field because the 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 common think among the comedians was Lauren Michaels was looking at like you know eight comics and it's going to be one of those guys and right. that, that was the common perception among the stand-up comics and, and then they, and they gain this perception from just kind of thinking that's how it works probably yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know it's just you hear these guys who are really funny and great we're auditioning for it so that's probably going to be it's going to be one of them i think also just the fact that it was someone who wasn't you know it worked his way up through the stand-up ranks it was yeah he was more of the they like, were stunned like the guy with one viral right. tweet. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I submitted to that show and um, they were staffed, but they bought one of my ideas. And then Robert Smigel, who's very, very sweet, reached out to me and said, hey, you know what? We're going to shoot this remote idea you had. Do you want to come and hang out? Which was very generous. Well, that's great. Yeah. That sounds- yeah. He's really great uh, with with writers and uh, very encouraging. And so I went down and I, I met – so I met Conan technically before the show went on the air. And Andy Richter was there. And I was like, who's that guy? Because he, he, he was just reading a paper on a bench and could care less. He's <laughs> <was> like, eh. <laughs> I was like, he eh. hasn't changed at all. He hasn't changed at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's not changed at all. I hung out for like an hour and then I just got out of there because I was afraid I was going to say something – Dumber than I normally say. So I, I got a taste of that. And then they called me in November to submit some monologue jokes. And I was I was kind of helping cool. out with the monologue a couple of days a week. And then they brought me in for one day. And the next day they're like, we need you to come in another day. We're not sure if we want to hire you. And I had to go do a tour, a comedy tour in England. So I was like, ah, I have to go. And of course, while I was, I was gone for two weeks, I hired someone else. Oh no! So oh, man, <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm, I'm just—that's not going to happen. And then a year later, they called me to do the warm up, and so I went in and did the the warm up every night, and I loved doing that. It was great. Oh, it was yeah. really fun. How long did you do that? Like two months, and then uh, Ellie Baranczyk, who's a writers coordinator, she said, "Hey, do you want to? There's an opening for a writer. Do you want to submit again? I know you submitted." Twice and didn't get hired. Uh, I was like, oh, like I really love going there. Did you really say that or did you read that into her email? No, no, no. This was, there was no email yet. So uh, (laughs) I read it into her face. (laughs) Yeah, imagine that, a conversation. Uh. (laughs) Gaskell. Anyway, I I was afraid to do a submission because I really enjoyed just doing the warm up there. And if I got turned down again, and I had to still show up to do the warm up. I would have felt like a total loser, a bigger loser than the normal. But uh, I think they took pity on me. So in February of '95, I got hired as a writer. One of the things I love about the podcast you're doing is there's so much detail about these inner workings of these shows that people otherwise wouldn't know and have no idea. And I feel like one thing the average person doesn't know about is packeting for a late night show. Yeah. Like it's, it's right. you're especially doing three packets for the same show, you're writing. So much of just the stuff that would go into one all on your own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, I mean, so, so many TV writing jobs are, there's an insane amount of unpaid writing that happens before you start getting paid. Yeah. So it's, it's unrealistic for anyone to think, well, I'll get the job and then I'll show them I can do it. You have to show them that you've been doing it for a long time before you can get the job. We would do a lot of kind of 
dirty stuff on the old late night show. <laughs> dirty, for lack of another word. Not, not truly filthy, but... The masturbating bear? Or right, like, exactly. Okay, yeah, sure. But yeah, so yeah, then yeah. some people in their writing submissions <laughs> will be like, whoa, I'll <laughs> wait till they see this. And they would just go all blue, filthy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, my advice is like, ah, once you're here, you can kind of work up to that. But mm-hmm. for your first impression, <laughs> right? I don't think you want 10 filthy, maybe Maybe one dirty, filthy idea, but <laughs> yeah, I guess if that's your thing. Yes, because your yeah, your latest episode pointed me to it was well, it was from Moses Storm being on the show, but he was homeschooled by uh, very religious parents who were also right. sort of cultists, but they had tapes for him to learn from, and then he taped over it with some Conan stuff. And yeah. I think the clip that was over it was like a bondage Abraham Lincoln yes. whipping himself. <laughs> it was called S and M Lincoln. That was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Brian McCann, who's. Really well, it was yeah. seemed like show. Brian McCann was always looking for a reason to be wearing leather chaps. <laughs> <laughs> he was very funny in short shorts. Yeah, uh, great legs. so he had great legs. He had he played a character called Bulletproof Legs guy <laughs> who were who sang a song. The only part of his body that was bulletproof was his yeah. legs. <laughs> they always get shot in the torso <laughs> and immediately die. Oh, that's irony. <laughs> yeah. And our, our all of our episodes have footnotes, and we're gonna be there's gonna be a lot of bits linked. It's gonna be very exciting. Okay, uh, oh, I good. love I love that legs guy, and and especially maybe you know Mike over the years. Like it seems like it's been a very stable group of people. Like there have been a few networks and formats and so on, but it, it seems like it's a show where Conan goes around playing rockabilly music at people, and also it's a very steady group of people over over time. Yes, if you're cool with him playing rockabilly at you. <laughs> with no one else around. Why Why You're, does he love rockabilly? Then you have longevity there at the show. <laughs> I think that's the last time his hair was in style. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that would explain. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the answer. <laughs> I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by how much of a family the whole staff is, not just the writing staff, but everyone who works in the studio and the cameramen and it's refreshing in a business that's so that where there's such a high turnover to be somewhere that feels like oh people get a chance to come in and breathe you know and learn yeah. before they are fired. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of jobs where it's like well you get you know 13 weeks on your contract and then you that's the time you have to yeah well to prove yourself well, and I, I also think the writers are supportive of each other because there are so many shows and it's kind of a breakneck pace that there's there's no time to really snipe at each other. And also you're rooting for your fellow writers because every day you're like, oh, we got to fill this show. And yes. if someone comes up with an idea, you're like, yay. Yeah. How, how can I help? That's time that I don't have to fill. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it really is kind of like a that family mentality. I think just having that kind of fosters a more positive yeah. Atmosphere where, you know, you don't feel like everyone's out, out to get you or wants you to fail. That's great. I mean, yeah. you still never uh, want to be the worst. I think everyone's uh, right, right, <laughs> trying to not be the worst person. Oh, it's not yeah. that bad. <laughs> on the show, you're talking about, like, if somebody hasn't gotten something on the show in not even that long, they just start to feel like a, a clammy pressure right. of yeah. some kind. It's a terrible. I think that's all self-inflicted, yeah. though, too. Right. We're all just that personality type where... You yes. may have done 12 great things in a row, but if the last thing you did didn't work, then yes. you feel like a failure. It's <laughs> the thing comedians always say, which that 
cliche, you're only as good as your last show, yeah. which is a real, real thing. Like if you just killing it all week and then you do a second show on a Friday night, which are of course, notoriously awful. Right. And it goes awfully as God intended a second show on Friday <laughs> to go. It doesn't matter. You go home going, I absolutely suck. Cause that's your last memory. Mm-hmm. And then you get to do it again. Like you said, amnesia. You get to it's do just, it again. Yes. yeah, yeah. Like Jesse, I grew up with Conan. Uh, he was the best and uh, is the best. One of my favorite things about him is often like when something just appears to go off the rails and kind of yeah. he's just inventing new things to do. Right. Is that ever written? Like how much of that is is just off the cuff or, or kind of put together behind do, the scenes? Do you have an example? <laughs> um, I didn't get to stay up very late until right. I was pretty old as a kid. There was pretty strict bedtimes. Right. But uh, for some reason, CNBC would air it like during the day from time to time, right, like five o'clock that. it would be on. Oh. And so that. I was pretty new to seeing late night shows at all. And then suddenly there was this guy who does a monologue joke, gets a medium reaction, and then just decides to leave frame aggressively right. and then pop back up directly <laughs> right. in front of the camera. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is how they all are, I'm sure. I would say everything where it seemed like it went off the rails, it really did go off the rails. Great. And yeah. we would just leave it in. It would always... <laughs> It's great. It's almost Be better. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There's so many times when a sketch is better because a huge mistake was yes, made. Yes, it's then... much more memorable, especially if you were involved with it. And I, Conan has said, I think, a lot that he would love when a monologue joke wouldn't do great. When he's yeah. good at that, kind of winning the audience back with humility because he, he says what you're thinking, which is – Hey, well, this isn't. That wasn't very good. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can relate to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. I feel like I'm describing your show as purely educational. It's also it very is. funny. Uh, I've <laughs> been picking up a lot of just terms that are uh, like writers' room things you guys use, and one of them was chaining up Kong, which was fascinating. Like, oh the, the, yeah, that's Shackling a Kong. Shackling, yeah, Shackling yeah. Kong. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wrong, wrong kind of restraints, right. but but that's the idea. Yeah, it, he loves needling the writers. It's like yeah, he has jokes for every different department on the show, and for us, for the writers, it's that we're constantly shackling him with our quote unquote Writing. words. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, as though he'd rather be out there with no script, right? Just improvise a show, of right, right, right. So. <laughs> The other metaphor he'll use is he wants us to build the jungle gym so that he can play on it. It means that you, rather than, you know, really precisely script out everything for him, you kind of set up a situation where he's, it's going to play to his strengths and he'll be able to, he'll be able to have fun. We all, I mean, we've been there for years and he'll say, you know, let's not do this type of thing anymore. Let's do this thing. And then. So you do that thing, and then, and, then and that like, goes well go for a couple thing. of days, and then we're back to the first. <laughs> so the the basic bottom line is there are no firm rules. Oh sure, yeah, very yeah. few rules. It's basically if it's funny, it kind of gets hopefully on the show. But it is fun when sometimes a writer will write something specifically. To enrage him almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or if the more complicated a sketch is, <laughs> yes. the more props that have to be flown in or like yes. fake birds on strings and things like that. <laughs> uh, and it, you know that I, it's going to be something where he's just going to hang his head in his hands. But 
Also, he loves that. Yeah. <laughs> Conan also has an Earwolf podcast, people don't know. But he, yeah. he had Stephen Colbert on, and right. I guess Colbert like packeted for the show before yes. he was doing the Daily right. Show. That was interesting. And he described pitching an idea where apparently – Robert Smigel had been showing him around the set for the soon to be show. And he was, mm-hmm. he said something about wanting it to be real. And Stephen Colbert was like, I don't quite understand what that means, but that would be fun. And so his pitch was that the set would uh, be like a sustainable farm in the background. <laughs> right. right. And so like there would be gradually be crops growing over the season. And then every once in a while they would harvest and like they would make Conan go hire like <laughs> laborers <laughs> yeah. in town to help him, you know. Uh, and no one sees that just watching at home. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just living in some heads and packets somewhere. Right. The new set with the new format that you mentioned. Yeah. No longer yeah. has a oh. cityscape in the background. Yeah. No moon. Um, yeah, and yeah. no moon. Yeah. yeah. So no. we, we used to pitch things for the moon periodically. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or something that was going to happen in the bay. like Right. Like a whale would come out. Yeah. And, I know Frank Smiley had a whale come out and breach. And, and actually splash Tom Hanks, yeah, right? Then yeah. we dumped a bucket of water on Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but, we would often pitch things based on, like, well, with global warming, the the set behind Conan is, you know, is oversalinated. <laughs> the water starts and, yeah. roiling and boiling. <laughs> we used to have Poseidon. Oh, we tried to have Poseidon come out of the water. Oh, yeah. And that, I think that made it to the scrap show because it was Brian it? Stack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another great writer on the show who yeah. now writes on the Colbert show. When he, I think he shot the bulletproof legs guy, right? That was, that was yes, him. yeah, yeah. Wow, love that. He bit. was the assassin. Yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. The two Bryans were quite the pair. Yeah, uh, you're right. He was the he was the killer. Uh, which which, if you know Stack really well, I think it makes there's sense. A, yes, yes, there's a killer. Most likely to murder. There. He'll admit that, and I. I tell him that whenever I see him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying anything. the nicest person in all <laughs> yes. show business. Sure, sure he is. But yeah, with, with a thinly veiled of course. rage. No, somewhere. no, he's, he's adorable. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? I don't know. I don't Sorry, know. you had a show. Oh, I interrupted. Oh. It was Poseidon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, that's something you should link to, too. I think that's online somewhere. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. I think it got cut. <laughs> I think Conan was cutting it while we were... <laughs> Rehearsing <laughs> it, and I think daring Brian Stack to keep going, even though he had already shown his displeasure with the sketch. <laughs> so that makes for fun in-house drama. You mentioned a little earlier that like he has Conan has jokes for every department. Like there's always things to joke about. Oh, is that yeah. is that kind of the genesis of? I feel like your guys' show is amazing at making everybody in the like crew or the the band when there was a band just everybody was something like bill tull becomes this great had a crop <laughs> yes. thing where there's budget tips that yes. are terrible and uh jordan schlansky is an enigma to all of us yes and yes i love that mindset like everybody's in it i i think it was almost a kind of like oh let's use every part of the buffalo and and that yeah. includes our staff so and I think there's, of course, a, a, also a big tradition. Yeah. They're cheaper to use. They're available. <laughs> they're there. <laughs> right. They're you don't have to wait for them to take a train in from Canarsie. Uh, <laughs> so you can just grab them and throw them in front of the camera. We also used a lot of writers. A lot of writers are performers. Still, yes, yeah. always been the case. Still the case. Yeah. Often, though, now when we have – when there's a cameraman that you see on TV, it's it's actually a writer playing what? a cameraman. Oh, no. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> Total bullshit. 
<laughs> we don't only hire SAG after cameraman. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, Conan comes up with a riff for like new staff members. And then mm-hmm. I think it's just like, okay, that's what I make fun of that person about. And then you just still stick with it. Part and they're the, very broad things like, you're Canadian. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Canadians are ridiculous. They are. So it's, I you know, they're no, patently. That's, that's the riff. Yeah. You're from Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people often almost grow into their riff. Like our friend Jose Arroyo it. that we work with, Conan has so many riffs on him, but it's like Jose will almost act it out now yeah, anticipate yeah something that Conan will want to make fun of him about. And and then he kind of plays it up. <laughs> yes. Like, I remember on one travel show he brought out for his index cards, because he likes to write pitches on index cards. And he had a leather, like, folio that was perfectly sized to hold index cards. <laughs> and so he brought that out, and it was, like, <laughs> embossed and everything. And, and he just knew that Conan was going to oh, yeah. make yeah. a meal out of it. Pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... Conan's riff with him is that, you know, he's very, very effete and very precise and very, very Eurocentric. Yes. So uh, Jose does, we feel like he goes out and buys props. Yes, exactly. Like a a fedora that's a little smaller than you see in the United States. (laughs) He'll just wear it and and act act surprised when Conan starts going insane about it. Like, oh, oh, this hat? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that hat. It seems like maybe that's part of the magic of everybody being together so many hours all of the time. Yes. Too. Like you just find stuff. Yeah. We spend a lot of time together. Because, yeah, also Conan, he, he, uh, if people only know him from Netflix, there's even a collection of just the abroad episodes now there. and, and uh, yeah. Six of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's there's a collection. Four. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a half dozen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is that is that Your a thing where like the whole staff decamps and goes, or is it just a few people going? Or I think you guys mentioned on the show you've been on some of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesse and I go with Jose, that guy yeah. we mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we initially went to Cuba together, and we just kind of kept the team together since then. Yeah, and at our show, there's a lot of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And so you don't, I think Conan just was happy with how the first one went, and then it was like, all right, we'll we'll keep the same crew for all of them. But then we, the whole team will travel to, like when we go to Comic-Con, we do oh, a week yeah, of shows cool. there. Right. and Or the Apollo Theater. yeah. And that really energizes all the writers when mm-hmm. just going to a new location. Although now it's like our, what, our fifth time going back to Comic-Con. That's this true. Year. So now the first few years, it's like, Comic-Con, yeah, energizing. Now it's like, like uh, uh, got to uh, eat at that same tender greens comma, again. Comma superheroes, okay. <laughs> Marvel versus DC, oh my God. Uh, so we got to go somewhere new. Where yeah. do we go? We got to go somewhere new for a week. Renaissance <laughs> Guatemala. There. Oh, maybe someone <laughs> we'll will get kidnapped. That's right. We'll just stay inside. <laughs> watch TV. I guess with any episode, but especially those, like how much are you writing towards essentially getting laughs in the room with the in-studio audience versus getting maximum laughs from people at home? Or is that even a consideration? Yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, think we try to too. split the difference. I obviously yeah. want to appeal a lot of times we have try to have it both ways. Like we deliberately, ham-fistedly pander to like if we're in Chicago, the Chicago crowd, but kind of winking that we're doing that to the home audience. So hopefully it works for everyone. 
Right? I mean, but there's Play all... along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we always want things to land with the with the studio audience when we're taping, but I think there's stuff that if Conan loves it, regardless of how well it does for that studio audience, we still want it to air because I think there are certain things that play better even online than they might to, you know, depending on the day, also the audience might all be people who don't speak English as their first language. Or, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, they're, or they're just so, it's it's really hot out and they're like, they've been melting all day in the sun and right. they're not in the mood to laugh. Oh no. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. No, you don't want to live by the tyranny of the live audience. Yeah. <laughs> that is a real uh, rainy day crowd or yeah. for some the reason when it's 110 in Burbank, the crowd seems <laughs> a little depleted. Uh, they're not. We, we give good. them a fun size candy bar. I don't right. know what, what do they, they want. want. Yeah. It's it's not a late night show, but I went to like a pilot taping once and it ran long oh and they gosh, had assistance. Oh my gosh, was it seven hours long? I was something like that. Yeah. yeah. And oh. then they had assistants oh. just start. Not even handing down McDonald's cheeseburgers, just like they had sacks and they were Throwing winging them oh. like oh like God. pitchers to oh. the to the audience. That oh. was like, oh, uh, you'll get some interesting laughs, I think, in the near future. I don't know how that works, where you just try to get people to laugh at the same thing again. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been to those tapings too, and yeah. it's really rough. I so I will say for anyone listening, if you haven't come and been in our live audience, it's very easy. I mean, yes. we tape pretty much <laughs> yeah. to time. So it's like you're out in 40 minutes. No do-overs. Yeah, no do-overs. Oh, uh, well, you know, we're going to do the whole show over again. <laughs> we leave the it's mistakes in. Yes, all of the mistakes, <laughs> all, as Alex has pointed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the best part of the show are blunders. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like 10 takes on the string dance, like very carefully. Like, <laughs> oh, too yeah. high, too high. That way. <laughs> yeah. He, he would do that in the writer's room for ah, a couple, uh, over a year. Really? And oh, then, before it. <laughs> he never did it on the air. And then I think. Finally, you guys we goaded, wanted we it We goaded him out. into doing it. <laughs> and then it, it, we couldn't put it back in the ah. bottle. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, uh, are there any like places or types of bits or, or things that you'd love to see the show do or, or just late night shows do in general? Wow. That haven't been done? I know. That's the yeah. hard thing is finding I mean, things maybe that haven't been done before. I might honestly. just be asking you to create new things for the show by asking <laughs> that. Uh, but <laughs> In the early days, you know, we'd pitch things and someone would be like, Letterman did that in 83. It's hard to yeah, come up it with. it is. Yeah, and that would be it. We'd be like, ah, we can't do it. Ah, can't well, do we, it. Can't do I it. think, can't take that more to heart if if we've yes. seen something has already been done even if it's like somebody on twitter got a lot of likes and retweets with with the same joke then we won't do it instead yeah if it's if yeah. it's that kind of thing yeah. yeah but even i mean yeah or or like we had we had a Marie Kondo thing and then of course everyone else did kind of at the same time and and so we didn't want to we had a really step on toes. Good Marie Kondo. Oh, we so might do different. it some other time <laughs> for her season three or four. Yeah, yeah she'll be around for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a few <laughs> other people did it in a two-week period, and we're just like, okay, let's move on to some other Netflix show. But my two – I have two things that I still yes. want to try to get yes. Conan to do. And one is to go to a dispensary – Right. Oh, and sure. And the yeah. other is to get a, a lesson in uh, becoming a drag queen. 
So I would be happy. That would be amazing. Which we almost did. We did almost finally do it. In Australia. That show hasn't aired yet. Our scheduling didn't allow But we'll tell you what we almost did (laughs) as a teaser. (laughs) Is it it based on like that movie where there's drag queens going through the desert in Australia? Uh, Uh, Well, there's a long tradition. You're talking of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Thank you, yes. Um, But there's a long tradition of drag in Australia. And we were there during Mardi Gras, which is like the biggest LGBT festival in... Wow. Australia, yeah. yeah. So we thought, okay, well, that would be fun to do. And then it was scheduled for the end of the week, and by that point, we were we were behind because Conan had gotten sick, and it was just going to be impossible to do it. Yeah. So the drag wow. will have to wait. We'll have to wait, but it'll 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 hold. Yeah, and you like that idea? It sounds great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the dispensary one, <laughs> you want him to do more than just go to a dispensary. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd like for him to abide, but right. Even if, even if not, say he went with, I, you what know, if he just, just got throwing quiet, this out there, though. Timothy Oliphant, uh, someone who. But what if they both get very quiet and introspective? <laughs> it's just that could them. happen. Yeah, <laughs> he did go to a, a. We went to dispensary for the uh, ride along too. Remote. Yes, that's right. And before it was legal, even wasn't it, it? or was it? I think it was legal-ish. I think it was right before. It was, I think it was yeah. three years ago already now. So we just went into that dispensary and bought a ton of pot. And, Is that true? Yeah. Oh. And then. Uh, and who went home with it? <laughs> well, that's the great thing. We ended up at Popeye's Chicken, finished shooting. And then I did not witness this, but someone said Ice Cube. All he was asking was, he's like, where's the pot? Where's the pot? Uh, and he went. It was under the seat, and he went in and took it. Yeah. Yeah. It was for the movie Ride Along, too, so it's Ice Cube, it, Kevin Hart, and uh, and Conan, right? It was They've done Conan, yeah. Kevin Hart, and uh, Ice Cube, and they, they were giving a driver's ed lesson. That's right, yeah. To uh, Diane Chan is one of our, our staff Diana members. Diane Chang, yeah. Uh, mentioning other writers, too. Like, what's the structure of a staff there? Like, are there different groups for monologues and sketches and everything else? How does it break down? There are- there are, writer Mike Sweeney? There care? are different groups- but it's kind of gotten, I think, more – basically now it seems more like one group, although two writers still concentrate primarily on the monologue every day. So yeah, It used to be completely divided. Completely, completely You almost divided, weren't in the same room ever with the where, monologue oh, well, writers. Like barristers and – and solicitors, like like <laughs> literally. Yes, I'm an English lawyer. Yes. I understand uh, perfectly <laughs> for your British listeners. But but the uh, yeah, the monologue team would have different hours. They would just mm-hmm. work on the monologue. Wow. When he'd finished monologue, they were gone, and then the sketch writers, we'd be there. We'd have to order dinner, eat dinner in a conference room together, with the interns until the interns started asking us how much money we made. Then. <laughs> The interns were banned from the dinner. <laughs> One guy ruined it for everybody. <laughs> and uh, and then we'd be there till like midnight every night because a lot of times we didn't know what we were doing the next day. And it was literally yeah. 10 p.m. And we we're like, uh, uh, Conan gets a drag That's always makeover. <laughs> no, we won't do that. That's always when the best ideas come. Is that is a lot of times. p.m. Yeah. When a, like one of my favorite ideas, I actually remember it was 9, 10 p.m. and we needed an act three for the next day. Back then we would do a, a mid show comedy piece. And Brian McCann came into the room with this idea. 
where Conan would get him upset and go, that's it. I have no reason to live anymore and run up the stairs and jump in a kayak and then (laughs) start like, you know, they pull him out of the camera shot as if if he's rowing the kayak just to cut to footage that he found on the internet (laughs) of a guy going down a a snowy cliff in a kayak kayak. and just losing control (laughs) and it just free falls down. And that became the whole sketch. So he'd go and kill himself in the kayak, but then he'd he'd tear down from the seventh floor down to the sixth floor and come in through the studio entrance, go, Conan, I'm okay. I'm okay. (laughs) And, and, you know, the crowd would go nuts because it would literally, he had to haul ass. He's sprinting live. He had to sprint live off camera (laughs) through the, the, the hallways of Rockefeller Center. And then Conan would say something to piss him off again and goes, what? And then he'd go up and then he'd, so each time we had to find new footage of, like we found a train going off a cliff, of a guy on a bike bungee jumping off of a bridge. And so whatever that footage was, that device would be at the top of the stairs for him to kill himself. But that, he came up with that, it killed, and we did it many, many times, including in Chicago at the Chicago Theater, where each time he went up to the balcony then up to the the super high balcony and kept running back. So, but we eventually had to put it to bed. Just too tired eventually. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and, and Walker Texas Ranger oh. was the one that would not die. The oh. problem with things that are popular is you have to keep refilling it. So then, yeah, they almost had to yeah. reboot Walker Texas Ranger. Right. So like after a few clip. weeks, McCann hate, probably hated. Every time it's like, can you come up with another kayak guy? Uh, <laughs> Do you know like what the tightest turnaround is between like we had this little time to get something together right, for that show right. and then did it kind like, of thing? Three fifteen and then have it ready <laughs> by five thirty. Oh my all God. the t- all the time. <laughs> yeah, that would happen a lot. Or or revision or changing something drastically. Yeah, yeah. Full, all new script after rehearsal. Yeah, going into the show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, wow. yeah, those anything that's day of is really tough to turn around if it's a if it's based on a story or lately, I don't know, we've been having these things like Michael Cohen's testifying, and that means that's the big news thing today, but we don't even can't even watch it until ten a m and then you're trying to come up with something off of that and turn yeah. it around for the afternoon. Oh, uh, that's wild. Sometimes yeah. you're out there and and like or there's a video that we come up with that day. And it has all these notes, so it's being re-edited. And the show started. Oh, yeah. And the, the booth doesn't have the tape. And What's I'm the closest you've gotten? Super close. Like, literally, oh. he's- Like, they're delaying the finishing show. Up. But Jeff, Jeff Ross hates delaying oh. the show. And I'd be like, can't we just delay it five minutes? Yeah. Would it kill you to delay the goddamn <laughs> Let the warm-up play the minutes. big butt song again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there have been times when I used to be a head writer where I'd be out there and I'd be looking at the stage manager and I'd be like, and he'd just shake his head. No. Sometimes within like 
20 seconds, he'd be like, they've oh got God. it. <laughs> I do love imagining, I mean, everything's digital now, but I love imagining like someone ejecting a tape from the deck and then yeah. they're running it into the booth. I yeah. used to have to do that. I, yeah. Because I used to do the warm up and I'd be editing something. I used to do a lot of pre-tape bits on the show. So I'd be editing and they go, you got to come up to the, like I'd run up to the warm up, run back down and do finish <laughs> editing. And I knew I had like another 15 minutes because the band would play and all that stuff. And I, run the tape up like yeah. during the monologue sometimes. Wow. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. It is exciting though. There's so much sprinting and making a it lot of running. There, is, yeah. yes, there, wa- there used to be. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned before like Michael Cohen or something breaks in the news and that's a thing. There was a trope going around before the current president was elected or, or right when he had been when people were like, yeah, but he'll be great for comedy. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> true or no? <laughs> uh, I think the jury's still out. <laughs> Let's wait till year three. Well, I think, I mean, what's difficult about this particular president is that there's not a lot of heightening you can do. Like comedy so much about heightening and yeah. everything's already pretty heightened. And it's already sort of the joke version of what it would be. So it's hard to joke on a joke. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. for a, a super layman, heightening is just take the thing exaggerated or blow it out. Yeah. Yeah. But also the decorum of being the president used to be a great thing to, to kind of contrast right. against. And now there's the no decorum. Gravitas of the Right. The, the gravitas yes. of the office. But now yeah. there's nothing to contrast things with. Initially, everyone was so depressed that it really felt like there it was hard to even find comedy and things. And I think where a lot of late night ended up going was into kind of more serious territory, like into more music swells and we're going to kind of make a, make a statement here. And that's not ever really been Conan's bag. Yeah. It's amazing how you're just reminding me. I haven't thought about this in years. The night it was rumored Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to say he was running for governor. Uh-huh. And Robert Smigel did, we did this clutch cargo thing where he would do an impression. Oh, God. Yeah. It's it was a, still with moving lips. And he would do <laughs> a really funny Arnold. And we had been doing that for a while. And now we were like, he can't actually run for governor. But yeah. if he did, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and we we literally had someone downstairs because he was going to do it on The Tonight Show. They were monitoring the feed of The Tonight Show. And they called oh, up and wow. they go, he did it. He's running. And oh. we're all like, oh, my God. Well, because was this during late night? So you were the next yes, hour of TV. Wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, but, my God. <laughs> well, well, that show was done already. But we uh, knew yeah. that for the next day sure. we could work off of Arnold running for high office. <laughs> so, and then uh, winning. Such an innocent time. I know. <laughs> ha ha, someone from the movies is going to run run for governor. Yeah, and then it was like things mostly were normal Yeah. then, even under the governator. <laughs> yeah, no, he, that was great. I don't know how it can go ever go back, right? I, can, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to see what happens to our country. <laughs> Comedy has really gone into it like a a period of it's hard to not be making commentary all the time. It's almost like it's too frivolous to just be doing something for funny's sake. Like it right, should right. have a bent to it. But people need a, a place to 
not think about. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Especially if a lot of people are all doing. I mean, it becomes yeah, a certain monotonous. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we're moving to another country. <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting out. <laughs> Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Mike Sweeney and Jesse Gaskell for bringing us kind of inside the mind of a late night writer and also inside how these shows come together day after day, week after week, and also within seconds on a lot of those parts. Wasn't that fascinating that they can just get that done uh, right at the last minute with a lot of sprinting? I love it. It's the best. Now you know when you're watching those shows uh, that that kind of thing's happening. And in our food notes, you will find... Just a lot of joyful stuff, um, especially the uh, a few of the characters we mentioned, like the Bulletproof Legs Man, is a really, really delightful comedy bit. A lot of dancing and a lot of hubris, and then uh, Brian Stack shooting him. It's the best. And so many other things there from The Conan Show, including uh, stuff they've got coming up. And also, you can check out Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. I recommend it. You'll find out week after week what they're up to, how many different people are involved in in every layer of that show. One I'd pick out in particular is when they talk to the IT guy at the at the show. It is way more interesting than you'd think. He just he just very casually knows a lot about everyone. It's cool. And you know what else is cool? Because uh, Conan and these other shows, they hit the road sometimes. So do we. The Cracked Podcast first ever tour is heading to Chicago extremely soon. We will be there April 11th with guests Sarah Sherman, Maya Dikmasova, and Jane Daly. Then we are in St. Paul, Minnesota, April 12th, also very soon, with guests John Moe, Chloe Radcliffe, and Elaine Tyler May. Uh, the venues there are Lincoln Hall in Chicago and Amsterdam Bar and Hall in St. Paul. But Alex, how do I get tickets to see it? Excellent question, me. You can go to the links in the food notes and find tickets for yourself. Uh, to come enjoy an amazing uh, one-of-a-kind podcast that uh, we won't do anywhere else in your town. And now I hope you'll enjoy Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. It is our theme music that's about to play. This episode was engineered by Sam Kiefer and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. A space where one time Conan O'Brien decided to do a bit uh, where he tried to become the top influencer on LinkedIn. Like, who needs Facebook? Who needs Twitter? <laughs> he was going to be the most connected uh, employee or worker on LinkedIn. Did like a Steve Jobsy kind of portrait of himself. They added in Theodore Roosevelt. It was great. He's great. Check out his show if you haven't already. My Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitzstagram. And I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. It's got my show dates, my newsletter, and, uh, you know, more about me. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.